Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. Today is July 5th, 2021, the day after the celebration of America's independence. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine. It's a nice, warm day in uh, Colorado, and uh, I'm looking forward to this episode. This is The Social Dilemma. And uh, it is a very interesting topic, and I'm looking forward to it. How are you doing, David? I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm uh, interested to talk about this movie. We often do movies on Movie Monday. But uh, I think that you enjoyed this movie a little bit more than I did. I I saw some faults with it that we can bring up here in the next 30 or 45 minutes during this discussion. Uh, While the message was important, I thought it was very, very negative, the movie. And they made some choices where they could have made other choices that I think sort of diminish their message a bit. But we'll get into all of that as we start talking about this. Um, if you wanted to sum up the message of the social dilemma in an elevator pitch, how would you do it? Uh, I guess it would be two. One is what they were trying to show is uh, how the social media uh, has a very negative impact on society. Uh, the way I, what I took from it is that they were trying to do that and they did it very effectively. And it was a very good movie. It was a very good, uh, uh, documentary that, uh, tried to convey that. Uh, however, it, it showed, uh, different sides, uh, some sides of the issue, uh, but not all sides of the issue. And there were some some of the arguments that were kind of one-sided, and they were glamorizing uh, one side uh, to try to make it interesting. I, I, yeah, I, I feel like the message is there's a harmful side to social media, and so they stuck with that. They didn't really say, I mean, and this is whataboutism, but what about all the good things social media does for people? There was just a few throwaway lines in the whole movie. The guy, the pres- former president of Pinterest, he at the beginning said, "Yes, great things have happened because of great things have happened because of social media. You know, people have connected, people have come together. You can, you know, see things and sort of form relationships over social media. But there's also a negative side that was mentioned at the beginning. At the end, the one of the main guys that started the Center for Humane Technology or whatever." He was saying, I can push a button and a car comes and picks me up in 30 seconds and takes me wherever I want to go. And that's amazing. Now, I think that those are the two times they mentioned the benefits of this stuff. The rest of it was just sort of harping on, it's bad. It's bad. It's evil. And they're not wrong. There's negative externalities because of how it's set up. But there's also a lot of good stuff that happens. Well, you know, David, Sons of Sequoia says, keep on talking and listen more than you talk, but try to understand what the other person is saying. And whether you agree with it or not, understand what they were trying to say. And you're right. That's exactly what they were trying to say. And they were saying it very well. Mm -hmm. But when you understand what other people are saying, that doesn't mean you really have to believe it. And I think there were more sides to the story than than what they were saying. And you're right. There are some good things to the social media. But one thing that movie did do to me, it made me start thinking deeper about things, about, well, there are some good things 
And there are some bad things, but isn't that true with almost anything you have? And so, but how can you emphasize the good things and how can you uh, mitigate the downside of negative things that can happen? And that started making me think about it. I says, uh, that's a good question. How do we move forward to retain the good part of social media and to try to uh, undermine the negative part or control, mm -hmm. uh, somehow control the negative part so it doesn't get out of hand? Yes, and that is, I think, one of my main issues with it. They, they showed that, you know, social media is like a supercomputer pointed at your brain, preying on your weaknesses. And one of my favorite parts was during the guy's speech when he said, we've always been concerned about when computers sort of beat us at our strengths. You know, when computers will replace us, when they'll replace intellectual jobs, where automation will replace all manufacturing jobs, where, where computers just start doing all of our work because they're, they're, they can outcompete us on our strengths. That we failed to look at when computers could outcompete us on our weaknesses. And that's what social media does. It takes our human frailty and exploits it for clicks and screen time. And that's true. But like you said, I guess you have to go, you have to have the step of awareness before you go to the step of action. So this documentary is more about making you aware of the problem than it is about proposing a course of action for the future. And the very, the scant few that were proposed, I, I didn't think that they were all that powerful. I, I, <laughs> I got three, I think, from watching the movie. Regulation. We need regulation. Well, that's a broad term. And I was talking to you yesterday when we were discussing this. It's hard enough to regulate the firearms industry or the tobacco industry. I mean, they finally got the tobacco industry under control after 150 years. Um, the tech industry is much bigger than those industries. They're not going to go silently into that good night if you're trying to regulate them off the face of the planet. So that that's that's tough. I'm not saying that you shouldn't try, but I'm saying it's going to be tough. Um, the other one was taxing the data that an application can take. That would be difficult to verify, but that's an interesting approach. And then the third one, which I think is a Hail Mary pass, is let's just hope that we all figure it out. <laughs> So, I mean, it's, you know, we need to be more responsible and mindful of what these social media platforms are doing to us and sort of make better decisions. And trusting people to make good decisions after watching the decisions they've made over the past five years is, is not, wouldn't be my strategy for a better society. Good points, David. The other thing I thought of was that I think somewhere in the film there was saying this has happened before. Uh, well, the Industrial Revolution, like the guy said, the bicycle, and that's going to disrupt things. And uh, and you pointed out it did dis disrupt things. Uh, women could go places and they were not supposed to. And uh, But technology has changed society. It always has. I think the difference today is that before it changed society very slowly, gradually, and people was watching it change in front of their face. Uh, today with technology, it is at the speed of light. It is the speed of thought. It is so rapid. It's it's exponential. It's and they're not seeing it. It's so it's so quick. It just it used to be very gradual. And now it's just 
it just explodes. And it's not local, it's global. And it is, it infiltrates everything and it, it, it encompasses everything. And so it's much faster, it's more global, and it's more, it's deeper. And so it's different. So therefore, to me, what that tells me is that the, the measures that you have taken to control these kinds of challenges in the past, they're not the same challenges today. And the measures cannot be the same. The measures have to be different, uh, a little bit uh, more robust uh, and impactful. The other thing that, that the, um, they did bring on some people who talked about not just the technology, uh, but the impact on the psychology of a person. I thought that was very interesting mm -hmm. on how the social media is an addiction and how do you treat addictions. Uh, you can't just say, okay, well, stop. Oh, okay, I'll stop. You can't do that. It, it doesn't work with an addiction. And for some people, the, it was dramatized where uh, in the, in the, uh, and the straw man family, the straw family, where they were addicted and they couldn't stop and they just went down a rabbit hole and they couldn't come back. Uh, well, that was dramatized, but some of those things are happening. And it doesn't happen to everyone, but it does happen to people. And so when it does start happening that fast, that, that broad, uh, how do you deal with addiction is not the same as how you deal with, uh, with uh, economic or political uh, uh, issues. Yeah, I, I, I think what was interesting though, like your straw family, that's another gripe I had with it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's billions of users on Facebook, you know, billions of users of Google services, hundreds of millions of users of Twitter and Snapchat. And why did they need to have a dramatized fictional family? Why couldn't they have found, out of these billions of users, one family who was negatively affected and have them tell their story? So I know that they chose the family and the dramatization because they could cover all the issues very neatly in a dramatized fashion instead of just having more talking head segments. But as far as the documentary is concerned, fictionalizing something, I think, sort of cheapens it because it's like, what, you couldn't find real people to help you make your point? You had to do this little vignette where people play act the problem? Um, so that's a, a, I guess it's a mild criticism because I will say to the filmmaker's credit, the dramatized portions were very effective. So I, I see why they did it because what they chose to do was extremely effective in sort of moving forward the narrative of their film. But I also feel like there's a little bit of a cop out not using a real family and having them tell their stories. Point well taken, and I, I don't know what the terms are. I'm not in the in that field, but there you have films, and then you have fiction, nonfiction. You have documentaries, and uh, because of what you just said, that doesn't seem like a real documentary, because so, that that straw that straw family wasn't a real family, and so what were they documenting? Mm -hmm. uh, so it was probably a dramatized documentary yeah, or I, I, don't, I don't know but i mean i i remember as a kid i loved unsolved mysteries and robert stack would come out and they would interview people that were there that day and then they would dramatize the crime and i loved that i'm, I'm sure that 
whoever I don't know the director's name of this movie. I should probably have that pulled up, but uh, let me let me pull it up. Yeah, I have it here. Uh, Jeff Orlowski. I'm sure that Jeff Orlowski may have been inspired by stuff like that. Um, you know, as a kid. Well, it was also written by Davis Coombe, Vicky Curtis, and Jeff Orlowski. And uh, oh, by the way, I just want to say, uh, yeah, we're criticizing it. But on the other side, uh, they did a very good job at uh, at uh, conveying what they wanted to convey. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought I thought I liked it because I thought it was well done. Uh, as we're saying, we have issues on on the uh, argument uh, and the the logic and and also the, the approach uh, to the issues. But I thought it was extremely well done. I mm -hmm. thought they did a good job. Yeah. And the other thing, too, that that you and I have talked about before is that uh, there's, you know, we always say. Keep on talking, listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying, because there's more than just two sides to any story. There are multiple sides to the story. And so when you start dramatizing something, uh, sometimes your emotion will say, oh, that's true. That's true. And that's one that's one side. Or there may be two sides. You know, well, there's many sides. Mm -hmm. And I think when you approach things logically uh, with with listening and talking, you're going to find multiple sides to any story. Yeah. And I will say throughout human history, story and song are two ways in which we've encoded messages so that they resonate with people and they carry down through the ages. Yes. You know, I, I don't think that you'll ever sit your grandchild down on your knee and tell them about a spreadsheet full of data <laughs> uh, that your grandfather uh, emailed you because that's just not how we retain information. Now, I, I mean, it is how we retain factual information now, but that that's not how we pass down our knowledge. So sort of making a story is fascinating, and that sort of plays into the whole conceit of the social dilemma, which is we're not being told stories by each other. We're being served stories by algorithms. And we're not entirely certain how those algorithms function, but we know that what they're optimizing for is engagement, is clicks, is likes, and then is advertiser impressions. So we know that, and we know that when you're optimizing for that, the results may not be a better, more informed, more just and verdant world. The result may be chaos and calamity. Because when you optimize for clicks, for likes, for comments, for subscriptions, when you optimize for uh, the amount of screen time that you spend within an app, and then the amount of advertiser impressions that you click on, that may not be the most wholesome thing to optimize for. And that might be beneficial on one side of the ledger, but not all sides. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, and the other thing that they were saying is that the negative parts of it is going to be the, the social impact, uh, the, the impact on communities, impact on individuals, and also, again, getting back to, to the addiction. And uh, when you're, when you're addicted to something and you start and they serve you what you're interested in, you start getting more and more one one side, uh, then you can start affecting people's uh, behavior. 
And that's exactly what they demonstrated. Mm -hmm. And so all this has happened in the past, but the scope of it is much greater today. And uh, and because we see it a lot. And also the media where you can actually see these things happen almost real time. And so you are aware of the problem uh, much more dramatically today than you ever have been. Uh, you can hear that the war ended maybe months later. Today, you see it ending in real time almost, practically. In some cases, in real time. That's one thing about the movie that I found interesting. They said, cable news looks a lot like the internet, you know, where there's all this animosity, because they have the same economic drivers as these social media platforms. And I would say that argument is true on one hand, but you could elaborate upon that argument and say... The, you know, they're trying to sell ads, just like social media. Therefore, they branch off into their little niche, you know, Fox Republican News, MSNBC Democrat News. And they only tell these people that watch these networks exactly what they want to hear. Um, there's no inconvenient truths. There's just what you want to hear. And they say that's because they follow the same advertiser method. But then why is social media so dangerous? Uh, because everything that you get is tailored to you. I mean, if you watch the news, you know you're going to get news. Some people don't like news. So what if, you know, you took that uh, model, like with the news, and tailored it to sports or entertainment or, you know, and so that's what these algorithms are doing. But I would also argue that it's not just because they have the same models. It's probably because the majority of their analytics are coming from Google Analytics. They're coming from the impressions they get on Facebook when they advertise uh, for their news shows. So the feedback loop that they get, well, when we cover this story and we're slightly critical of um, our side, we lose viewership. We lose engagement on social media. We lose um, search queries on Google. But when we advocate for something, perhaps that's not true, but it fires up our customers we see an increase in search queries on Google. We see an increase on impressions on Facebook. We see So they're using social media metrics, I think, to drive uh, how they choose their subject matter. So it's not just that they have the same business model. It's that I think that everybody's business model is inculcated in the big tech giants. And they're going to use that because you can get ro more robust analytics from Google and from Facebook than you can just from the Nielsen ratings on your cable television program. Because they have the data and they have the big data. And with the big data, you can drill down uh, and be very, very specific and very precise. Mm -hmm. And so, because it works, it works. You're giving people what they wanna hear. And so, like they say, we are the product. Uh, we don't pay for it, we're the product because our interests are what being sold and that's going to be where it's going to they're, they're going to watch it because it's being sold. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though their their goal may be the news, uh, they're going to be watched more if they start focusing on what your viewers want to see. Yeah. And so where do you get the information from from the social media? And it's because their objective is what are the interests mm -hmm. and the interest of the general public. Yeah, you're absolutely right, David. I just I'm just restating what you just said. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> you're I, right. I think it's fascinating just 
you know, the movie just sort of said, oh, the reason why cable news looks like the internet is because they have the same business model. Sure. And I would say maybe the reason why cable news looks like the internet is because there's no better tool than the internet to sort of determine how you plan out your content strategy. So they're not just but, using they're not just using Nielsen ratings. They're using click-throughs on their YouTube videos. They're using uh, Google search queries. They're using impressions and shares on Facebooks for the clips that they're sharing on Facebook to sort of determine what they cover on the next night's show. But it goes further than that. Not only are they using it to the news, they're also using it in politics. Using mm -hmm. it in politics on on how to influence voters one way or the other. Uh, in other words, one is where you're, I think one thing they dramatized with the Straw family was that if you get someone's interest, once you have their interest, you can start feeding them things and start moving away from something that's inane to something that's more significant. And they start moving toward uh, uh, behaviors that they normally wouldn't have. Yeah. And they did that. They showed that uh, with with uh, the uh, Straw family, mm -hmm. where they became they got arrested. Yeah, the son. But the point, yeah, the son, and then the daughter who didn't have media. They tried to help him, and he got sucked in. The point is, the same thing happens in politics, mm -hmm. and so they'll use that in politics. Now, when you're dealing with politics, now the news is one thing; politics is another thing. It has a whole different type of impact on our society. Uh, people have a much more of a, a vested interest uh, and much more uh, uh, a stronger interest uh, with politics because that's our lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not just individual lives, it's collective lives. And that that becomes more serious, much more serious. It's, it's fascinating to me because on this channel we do some news content and a lot of times we'll choose the New York Times. Now, we also cover a foreign affairs article. Our episode last Friday was on Yuan Yuan Ong's article in foreign affairs about the, the new robber barons of China. They're very now, good. She was a very good article. Yes. Now, one thing that I notice, and I don't think this is lost upon you either, is the foreign affairs seems more substantive than the New York Times even. Um, the New York Times often... I mean, we did like a sh the Sinead O'Connor. Oh, my apologies. I thought I had it on silent. Um, we did the Sinead O'Connor piece from the New York Times, but we've done other things from the New York Times, and that'll actually end up getting more clicks and more engagement than some of the foreign affairs stuff, which is fascinating because I think the more substantive something is, the less likely people are to tune in. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do things that are substantive in this world. It's just that the algorithms encourage sort of shooting from the hip, knee-jerk reactions. So, question. Yes. Does that imply that our society is more attuned to more of the emotion and effective domain than the cognitive and analytic domain of our decisions? Yes. And I think that Social media, their algorithms have discovered, if you enrage someone, they're, they're, they're engaged. If you can enrage much them... More, if, much more than if you, if you enrage them, you can engage them much better than 
if you can bring up a very interesting analytical point. Yeah. Or a cognitive issue. Or let's analyze this. You're not going to get people in as interested as if you anger them. Mm-hmm. Anger is much more powerful than than an intellectual uh, revelation. Yeah, I, I should have saved this post. I could put it up on screen, but I, I think I told you about this yesterday. Um, this is another thing about the media, and it's sort of unrelated, but I saw it on Instagram, so there I am using social media. But Dan Harmon, the creator of Rick and Morty, co-creator of Rick and Morty, um, showrunner of Community, he posted an article from The Guardian, and it says, MSNBC says Fox News won't reprimand Tucker Carlson for his latest racist and xenophobic remarks or whatever. And so his comment was, The Guardian says that MSNBC says that CNN is reporting that Fox News is saying that Newsmax won't do this. And that's like, at some point, it stops becoming news if you're just reporting on each other. And if if you're the ones making the news. Yeah. You're creating your own content. Yes. And I think people, they get upset about what Tucker Carlson said as if that's news. I I think that, you know, they're, they're watching MSNBC all day and... Every day, you know, oh, surprise, surprise, Tucker Carlson got up and he said something racist. Like, he does that every day. Like, why are you surprised and enraged now? Like, that's who he is. Uh, And I think that sort of caring about that is a waste of your time. (laughs) It's it's fascinating to me, you know, because this movie basically said... Take a look at the things that you're absorbing. Take a look at the things that get you stuck in your phone or stuck, you know, in a YouTube rabbit hole and ask yourself, is any of this stuff healthy? And I think that's a very good piece of advice. Now, at some point, you have to ask yourself, is any of this worth it? And then people will say, yeah, it's worth it. You need to know what's going on. You need to be informed. You need to know that CNN is reporting that MSNBC has condemned Fox News for something that was written in the Wall Street Journal. And it's like, are you really informed at that point? Or are you just sort of running around in circles? Which, to me, which brings us to a good question. What is the answer? And I think one thing in the movie, in this movie, they ask these people, what's the answer? And I don't know if they dramatized this or not, but there was silence. They didn't have an immediate answer. Uh, uh, it's a lot easier to identify a problem than it is to offer solutions. Mm-hmm. But one thing I did notice, and this is probably not true with all of them, but they did show a lot of the people who did the coding, who did the development, who did the the uh, management, who managed the the, uh, the business plans and, and business approaches, they wouldn't let their kids be on social media. Mm-hmm. No, we don't let my children do that. They can't. They refuse to do it. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And I'm sure that's not true at all. Uh, but the ones that they, they says, yeah, the ones they were interviewing, says, no, my children can't be on social media. That's fascinating. I thought that, that was fascinating. Yeah. So is that a solution? Uh, when they get older, are they going to get on it? Yeah. Uh, if so, let me, let me back up and say, I don't want to go down the, that rabbit hole of criticizing solutions. I want to bring up the issue. 
what are solutions? Mm -hmm. That's one. Don't don't look at it. I don't think that's a good solution. That is an immediate. This maybe a necessity, but that's not necessarily a solution. You don't solve something by ignoring it. Yeah. You solve it by addressing it. So how do you address it, and how do you solve uh, the issues that they brought up? So they did bring up some some very important. Uh, we are the product. Uh, uh, it, it can be an addiction. Uh, uh, they're feeding you just what you want to hear, so you're not really getting the picture. You're getting a very narrow view, uh, and so it can exacerbate all kinds of, of uh, conspiracies that are not necessarily true, and they can move you. Once they have you, they can move you in those directions. So it did identify all that. Mm -hmm. So, And I don't disagree yeah that's true but then what is a solution or what are solutions yeah see i just did i did it what what is i said what is the solution yeah there is no one solution there's a whole a myriad of of approaches that need to be taken it, it is it's a more of a mindset and from that mindset you have all these different things that you need to do Maybe it's a it's a paradigm shift in our society. I mm -hmm. don't know. Well, anyway, I think, I'm, I'm raising issues. I think the fascinating thing to me is they were asking these experts, like you said, a lot of them don't let their children use social media. A lot of them said, like the guy that was the president of Pinterest, he said, I would go to work, I'd work 10 hours a day. I'd go home and I'd be on Pinterest all night. It's like I was addicted by my own app, you know, like I couldn't stop looking at it because that's the way it was designed. And so it's not an issue of maybe we shouldn't let dumb people, you know, use social media because they'll get addicted. It's like, no, anybody could get addicted. And not letting your kids use social media I think is it's relatively smart. I think there's a reason they do it because a not fully formed brain can get hijacked by the the algorithms within the phone. But I think what we've also saw in that movie is that a fully formed brain can get hijacked by the algorithms in those, that phone. Yeah. What we've seen yeah. by society. I mean, I think we've seen people, they believe the nuttiest stuff. And the answer is, why do they believe it? The answer is always, they saw it on the internet. No one goes to the library and reads book after book after book after book and believes in QAnon. Like, that's just not how it works. They, they see it on the internet. No one reads the Harvard 10-foot shelf. You know, the writings <laughs> of Benjamin Franklin and William Penn and the classics. And then they say, okay, I believe in some wacky stuff now. No, like, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Uh, well, I think you're moving to one answer, uh, one of many answers. Uh, and that is an academic uh, cognitive answer of education. I think there's another social answer of family involvement. I think there could be another community answer of people understanding each other and listening to what the other person is trying to say. So there's all different types of answers to this thing. It's not, it's not one-sided. It's not, oh, do this and it's gone away. No, that that's dangerous. Uh, I, I think you have to approach it with, with, uh, multiple dimensions mm -hmm. and uh and also you have to have a desire i i think the root one of the, one is approaches the other is the root 
of a desire to have a better society, to have a better community, to, to have your neighbor help as much as you are. I think that there, there's a, that's the root of a solution that you have to want that first before you seek it or before you embrace it. And I think that's, that's where, I believe that's where we have to go. And I'm not really sure how to do it, but that's just an idea. Yeah. And I mean, I think we could talk a little bit more about the movie, but that's a really good place to stop, don't you, for today? Maybe so. I think, I mentioned I think, this before, David, we should do this again. We yeah. should talk more about different aspects. There's aspects of this movie we haven't talked about. Yes. There's a lot of, this is another word. Another, I want to say again that uh, uh, shout out to Jeff Rolowski. What he did was excellent. Uh, the producer was Larissa Rhodes. Uh, she did a lot to bring a lot of different things in that, that was extremely, extremely well done. And the, written, the writers, uh, David Coombe, David uh, Vicki Curtis, and Jeff Rolowski. Uh, I thought it was a very good movie. And it raised some issues. And I think that uh, maybe we should talk about it again. Mm -hmm. And other issues that we haven't even talked about. I would like to. Maybe, maybe next Monday. Okay. And, but, uh, but I think we've said enough, and I think that you summed it up there. We don't know what the answers are. Maybe they're communal. Maybe they're educational. Maybe they're institutional. Or maybe they're a combination of all of those things. And that's the doom and gloom painted in this movie. It may affect society, but it doesn't have to affect you. So... Be mindful of your, your habits, your digital habits, and and maybe you can avoid the, the social dilemma, uh, going back to the title of the movie. And you can be part of the solution, mm -hmm. not part of the problem. So yeah, I'm going to cue up the outro music. Okay. Uh, because I think that we, we covered it. We did pretty good, don't you think? It, it, it was a good start. It was a good start. And this is not the answer. This is just the beginning. This is the beginning where we all have to come together mm -hmm. because you got the music going. It's going. Because the Sons of Sequoia, we say, keep on talking. So we'll talk about this again. But listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>